Thanks, uh, Jackie. Thanks also to Grant and the team as they've led us through our time this morning and also to Beck for that, uh, that wonderful testimony. She was very, very nervous about that this morning, but uh, just praise God that he was able to uh, allow her and give her that strength to, uh, to speak just uh, from her heart about what God has been doing in her life. And I'm sure that there are many people in this building this morning who would have very, very similar kind of testimonies about how God has been working in their lives. And, uh, you know... I encourage you to share that with others. We all need to hear the how God is at work in our lives. It's so encouraging and so challenging, but we need to do that to encourage each other because we all go through times in our lives where we wonder whether or not God is hearing, you know, God is hearing our prayers or whether God is there. And sometimes someone can come alongside us, can share a story that it's so much akin to what we're going through in our own lives. And I think God uses those times to sort of say to us and assure us, you know what, I am here. You know, it might seem to you that, uh, that I might be a million miles away, but I'm there with you. And so please take that time, encourage each other in the Lord by sharing with each other how God is at work. Let's pray as we come to open God's word together this morning. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to meet together in this place. Lord, we especially want to uh, praise you and thank you for your great love for us. A love so richly and so wonderfully displayed in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was in his humility left the glory of heaven to come and live on this earth to reveal yourself to us, to reveal who you are and your great plan of salvation for your people, to reveal to us your heart for people and also to reveal to us how we, can, how we as guilty sinners can be restored to a wonderful relationship with you. We thank you for his death and resurrection. And Lord, we thank you also for the word which not only Christ gave us during his earthly life but the word that is written down in our Bibles for us today. Lord, we know it is a living word. We ask that, uh, that as we delve into it this morning, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that he would take of your words this morning and truly impress them upon our hearts to bring about that transformation in our lives for your honour and glory. Amen. Throughout this week, uh, you know, there's been lots of things that are happening, but there's one quote that uh, kind of that I came across this week that I, that I heard this week that sort of stuck out to me, and it was a, a quote by a fellow called Dr. Seuss. Some of you might know Dr. Seuss. He says this. He says, You have brains in your head and feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. So I pondered on, that word, on those words, on that uh, particular uh, um, quote, I sort of thought about, well, what is the main thought that's being expressed here? What's, what, is it, what is it that he's actually saying? And as I sort of thought about that, I came, across, I came upon this. That I think what he's saying is this, is what the brain, what our brains can dream up, our bodies can achieve as long as there is this strong determination within us and a clear vision of what it is that we want. I think he's saying that the great part in all this is that it's really all up to us. We have plenty of choices, there are countless directions we can head, and we have plenty of ability to in order to achieve those things. Hmm. Interesting thoughts. When it comes to it, I think we all have plans and dreams, don't we? 
We all have desires in our hearts of what we'd like to, uh, what we'd like to do and what we'd like to accomplish in life. I mean, children, they have ideas, they have dreams about what they'd like to be when they grow up. Firemen, spacemen, space astronauts, policemen, doctors, soccer players, ballerinas. You know, in the next few weeks, a number of our Year 12 students, in fact, a vast number of Year 12 students in our country will graduate from high school and they'll begin that next chapter in their lives as they go into this great big world and live as adults. And they, I'm sure, all have dreams and plans as well, how they might leave their mark in this world, what careers they might have, what family they might have what desires of travel and things like that that might be in their hearts. Of course, as we get older too, we make plans for, uh, for ourselves, don't we? Career advancement, raising children, the challenges of parenthood, how we can, uh, you know, how we can sort of raise our children in the ways of God in the midst of a, uh, a world that, uh, that is at, at odds with that. We plan for our financial futures and things like retirement. And then when it comes to retirement, we also make plans, make plans for what we're going to do and to enjoy this time, to make sure that we perhaps have enough to live on. We all make plans. And I think it's a wise and good thing to make plans in our lives. There's an old proverb that says, if you don't aim at anything, then you're bound to hit nothing. Lives can be wasted. I think there are many a person who has looked back on their lives with regret, wishing they had done more with their lives instead of perhaps wandering aimlessly through life with little or no purpose. The Bible actually praises the people or the person who makes plans and the person who works hard to fulfil those plans. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8 says this, Go to the ant. In other words, he's he's using the ant as an example. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. The ant makes plans and works hard to achieve those plans. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The Apostle Paul had many plans during his earthly ministry and we read in Romans chapter 15 verse 23 these words. He says to, uh, to the church in, in Rome, But now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul had grand plans of that he'd finished his you know his work in, in the regions of Turkey and Greece and he wanted to look beyond that to, to Rome and further afield to to the uh, to the western parts of civilization out to Spain and beyond and he that was what he wanted to do. It's right to make plans. But but for but for the believer there is a right way and a wrong way in how we go about this. And the thing we've got to be wary of in making plans is the sin of presumption. And this is what James makes clear in these verses in here in chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. And he begins with an example. 
something common to the people of his day. He says in verse 13, Come now, or listen up, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Here are these people in, 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 uh, in James's day who, you know, people who had, had these wonderful and grand plans of, of travelling around, of maybe going to one of the, the larger cities or, you know, one of the larger towns and, and going and conducting business there in order to get ahead and, and to make a living and, and, and to kind of get wealthy, to get rich. Many of you remember a number of years ago when, uh, when the mining boom was at its peak, there was a number of people in this country who gave up their, their, uh, their normal jobs and they went out to the mines with these grand plans of, of being able to go there and to, to get paid these exorbitant wages to make a, a huge profit in a very short space of time to kind of set themselves up for, uh, for life. You know, and, and to be able to sort of maybe have a, an easier kind of life, you know, be retired at 45 or, or whatever. This is, the, this is the same kind of thinking that, is, that, that James is, is talking about here in this verse, in verse 13. People who are, who are really keen to sort of try to, uh, to, to gain as much as they possibly can, as quick as they can, in order to make their lives smooth sailing and, uh, and enjoyable. And, uh, and, 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 and I guess in a way which, uh, which sort of sets them up so that they can, um, they, they think that, that everything's going to be good for them. I dare say that there are countless people today who have that same kind of mindset. They may not be planning to go and work in the mines, and you probably wouldn't be doing that now anyway with the, uh, the downturn in the mining industry. But they have grand plans all the same of going to university, maybe to get a degree or to get a, a job with plenty of opportunity for advancement, a job that, that pays a very good salary in order that they might buy a nice house you know, to have, you know, a, a, a family and to, uh, you know, to be sort of, you know, have that kind of social standing that people that look up to and admire, have all the, the coolest kind of gadgets and the latest model cars and things like that. For others, it might be a bit different. Dreams for them of living the good life might involve a sea change or a tree change. You know, you've heard it all, haven't you? Like Dr. Seuss said, it's really up to you. You have the power to determine your own destiny. That's how people think today. But the trouble is it presumes three things. Firstly, it presumes that we can live as long as we please. Secondly, it presumes that we can make whatever plans we want to and bring them about. And thirdly, it just presumes that we have the inward and the inbuilt capacity and ability to bring about those dreams, those fulfilment of those dreams in our lives. James, however, sees things very, very differently. See, to make plans like these in our own minds and to think that we are masters of our own destiny without giving any thought to God is foolish and it's arrogant. And it's sin. These are the three things that James points out in this passage this morning. To make these plans without any consideration for God is foolish, it is arrogant, and it is sinful. Now, it's foolish for three reasons. Firstly, we have absolutely no control over the future. Verse 14, 
He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. None of us know what knows what tomorrow will bring, do we? We would like to. In fact, people in our world today go to, go to great lengths to try to, to find out what is in their future. They go to tarot card readers and clairvoyants or they read their horoscopes in the paper and this sort of thing because they've got this innate desire within them to want to know what, what the future holds for them. Yet when it comes down to it, not one of us, not one of us knows what tomorrow will bring. Circumstances can change in an instant. Many of you can testify to that very fact. That one day you can be going along all well and good and the next day all of a sudden your world is crashing down around your feet. It is foolish to think that we can have control over our lives when we cannot even know what is going to happen even an hour from now, let alone tomorrow. We can all make plans, but we have absolutely no control over our futures. Circumstances change. Not only is it foolish because we have no control over our futures, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but it is also foolish because life is short. Our lives are very short. James says, what is your life? What is your life? It is a vapour. It is a mist that is here one minute and it is gone the next. It appears for a little time and then it completely vanishes. Some of you would, you know, who get up nice and early in the morning, particularly those winter mornings, and uh, you know, and you and you walk outside, and there's that 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 mist or that uh, that fog, you know, covering the uh, covering the uh, you know the area around you or the city or that sort of thing, and it's there for a minute, it's there for maybe an hour or two, and then the sun comes up and it burns off very very quickly, and it's gone. Think about a, a beautiful sunrise. You know, you get up to watch that sunrise and as the sun comes up over the horizon, particularly there's clouds in the sky, you get those beautiful pinks and oranges and purples and golds. And it's beautiful as you sit there and you admire that, but it's, it's there for an instant and then it's gone. That's what our lives are like. And sure, we might live to a good old age, But even the average age of 80 to 85 years is but a blink of an eye in light of eternity, isn't it? I mean, I think back and think, how many people have lived life on this planet over the past four to 5,000 years? How many countless millions of people who have come and who have gone and we remember them no more? And that is us, folks. We are here for a short time. And like that sunrise, our lives sort of, you know, sort of blossom and grow and and then all of a sudden they're there in all of their splendour and then all of a sudden they're gone. What plans are we making then in light of, of, of that particular fact? What plans are we making for our lives in terms of eternity? It's all well and good to make plans for this life. 
But when we think that this life is only minute in terms of the the whole scope of eternity, surely we should be considering what comes after this life and making plans for that, don't you think? Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once and then to face judgment. Each and every one of us here in this building are going to one day end, our lives are going to end on this world and we are going to stand before the, the creator God and he is going to call us to give account of our lives. Whether our lives have been lived according to our own desires or what the Bible calls the flesh or our lives that have been lived in, in light of the spirit because we have to, as Christians we will have to stand before our Lord and give an account for what, how we've lived our lives for him. What plans are we making for eternity? How are your plans for your life today? How are they shaped in light of the fact that we are eternal beings and that we belong to a, to, to a creator God who made us for a purpose? How do your plans for work, for family, for, for whatever, how do they line up with what God would want for each of us in our lives today? How he would want us living for him today? Life is short. Life is also frail. And this is the third reason it is foolish to, uh, to make plans without giving any thought of God. Folks, we might make plans in our lives to be healthy to look after ourselves. You know, as I was, you know, driving to church this morning, there were people out riding bikes who were out jogging, who were, you know, looking after their bodies. And I think, you know what? That's a good thing to do. But what about your spirit? What about your spirit? For ultimately, none of us can prevent death. None of us. The statistics are very, very clear. One out of one people die. I can't claim that as my own, by the way. Mm. Death can come at any time. Friday was Daniel Morecambe Day. Twelve years ago, that little boy had in mind to catch a bus to go up to Sunshine Plaza to buy Christmas presents for his family. He never got on that bus. Twelve years old, I think he was. We never know when our life on this earth will end. Life is short. Life is frail. Well, not only is it foolish to make plans without God, keeping God in mind, but it is also arrogant. Verse 16, James says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. You know, we need to remember that we are the ones who are not in control of our lives. As much as we'd like to think we are, we are not. We are not sovereign. God is. God alone is. 
To think otherwise is boastful arrogance. Listen to the warning of Jesus from, uh, from Luke chapter 12. Jesus gave a parable and he said, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, Hmm, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And so he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build larger ones, and there there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Pretty uh, common sort of thing today, isn't it? Very reflective of our world today. Listen to what Jesus says. Fool, you fool. For this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose then will they be? Whose then will they be? We struggle. We, we work hard for, to get all this sort of stuff. But when we're gone, it's not ours. We can't take it with us. This person thought he had it all figured out. He'd gather his wealth. He'd live it up for the rest of his life. Little did he know that that night his life would be required of him. Arrogant and foolish. King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4, probably the king over one of the greatest empires the world has ever known, Babylon. And he said to himself in Daniel 4, Is not this the great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Arrogance. It was at that point that God changed that man's whole life and for seven years he went mad and lived like an animal. Folks, to leave God out of the picture of our lives and to make plans thinking that we are lords and masters over them is actually a denial of God's sovereignty. It is a denial of God's authority. It is a denial of God's power. And it is a denial of God's grace in his provision to us. Because everything we have is ours from God. It comes to us from God. In Romans chapter 11, Paul writes, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. From God comes everything. Through God is everything. And everything needs to be returned back to him in praise and glory to him. Well, it is foolish, it is arrogant, and it is sinful. James says that all such boasting is evil or sinful. He says, for such boasting is evil, verse 16. You know, it's interesting, that same Greek word that is used here by James for that word evil is actually used in other places in the Bible to actually describe Satan. Hmm. Because it points... To Satan's arrogance in sin in denying God's sovereignty when he rebelled against God. 
And when we make plans of our lives, leaving God completely out of the picture, then we are setting a direction in our lives, the same kind of direction that the devil took when he rebelled against God. Now, does that make you sit up and think? So what should our proper perspective be to our life's plans and desires? Well, we see it in verse 15 of our passage this morning. James writes, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. If the Lord wills. See, what we're seeing here again is is James bringing our hearts and minds back to a proper submission and a humility before God. All through the um, chapter 3 and chapter 4, James has been speaking very much about this, this having this proper humility before God, recognising who we are in light of who God is. See, whenever we seek to make plans for our lives, we must first remember that it is God who is the ultimate determiner of what takes place, of what happens in our lives. And we need to bring our plans before him and ask him to direct us in our plans. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I know many of you know this, but it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him first and allow him to direct your paths. He will direct your paths. See, our plans need to be made in light of how God would want us to live. Every single one of our plans. See, we are not meant to be about building our own kingdoms in this world today, folks. We're about seeing the, the building up of God's kingdom in this world today and submitting our will to his. Nevertheless, not your will be done. Not my will be done, but your will be done. A fellow I like to read from time to time, a fellow called Stephen Cole, says this. He says, we need to have the perspective or the attitude that when it comes to thinking, when it comes to that day when we're lying on our deathbeds and we're looking back on our lives looking back on all that is taking place, we need to think to ourselves, what would God want our lives to look like? At that point where this life, where your life on this earth has just about drawn to a close and you look back on your life, we need to look back with the perspective of what would God, how would he would want our lives to look We'll get it out in a second, what he would have wanted our lives to look like. Do we often have that kind of mindset today? What does God want my life to look like for him now and in the days ahead? Because we can't go back now as much as many of us would like to. You can't go back. We can only think of the future now. And if you may not have given much thought to what God had wanted for your life beforehand, now is the day to, 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 to rectify that. And to say, God, from this point on, what do you want my life to look like for you and for your glory?
Let's draw this to a close. Some of you who are old enough to remember back in the 80s, there was a TV ad campaign about littering. And the catch cry and the jingle for that was, do the right thing. Remember that? Yeah? You're all singing, do the right thing. Yep, all right. Mm. That's the only singing you'll hear me do it. (laughs) Solo, that is, by the way. Having pointed out the right attitudes and the right actions, James, at the end of this passage, tells this to his readers. He says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You have all, here this morning, witnessed the word of God. You have all heard God's word to you this morning. About when it, what it, when it comes to making plans for your life, how we are to properly make those plans in light of who God is. You now have no excuse before God. And so James says, now that you know the right thing, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Because if we don't, then it is sin. Folks, sin is not just about doing the wrong thing, but it is also about not doing the right thing. So what are your plans today? I don't mean for after church, lunch in the park or whatever. What are the plans for your life currently? What is it that you are striving for? Do you have it in your mind as as these people at the beginning of this passage, you know, today or tomorrow I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to earn this and I'm going to set myself up for the rest of my lives or I'm, you know, I've I've got in plan to to do this with my life to, to make it as enjoyable and pleasurable for me as possible? Does God have a place in your plans for your life today? Because he must. He must. John MacArthur says, Here in this passage we see another test of what a true and mature faith in God looks like. A strong desire to do the will of God, to make our plans according to God's purposes and will, is a sure mark of a transformed life. Of a true faith. Is that you this morning? Is that you? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this time in your word today. And Lord, we know that it is wise to make plans, that you don't expect us just to go through life without any kind of purpose. But Lord, that, uh, but our plans, when it comes to making them, that we should be making them in light of eternity that we should be making our plans in light of, of who you have called us to be as your people, of, of making plans in light of knowing that you know, when it comes to, uh, to our lives, we have really very little control over things. We know that we don't know what, happened, what will happen tomorrow. Lord, we know that our lives are short. We know that our lives are frail. So as we make our plans, help us not to be arrogant. Help us not 
to make plans disregarding you, your sovereignty, your authority, your power, your grace, but instead, Lord, to make our plans in a way in which truly honours you and which truly reflects our absolute and utter dependence upon you and your goodness to us. Lord, help each of us to perhaps, you know, in our, in our own hearts, in our own minds, to be setting forth a plan which, which hopefully will lead us to a point in our lives when it comes to the end of our life we can look back and say, you know what, we have lived our lives for God. We have, we have made a difference for God because of his grace and because of his glory. We have made a difference. We have left a legacy which will, which will carry on far beyond us. Continuing to point people to your goodness and your grace. Help us to live lives like that. Amen.